as you know, we, uh, in Galatians chapter 1, uh, we, spent, we spent some considerable time there. We see Paul uh, introduce himself uh, for a little bit for the first couple, first couple verses. Uh, he moves. He moves in and in, in describing this reality of the gospel. We talk about the gospel. He begins to share about uh, grace a little bit in chapter one, uh, helping us understand the gospel and grace. And what we begin to make really plain, what was very plain to us, even starting out Galatians, but what we've already said throughout Galatians, is that the gospel is central. That at the end of the day, Paul is trying to make a point that it's all about Jesus. In fact, he um, he starts out by not commending the church at all, but he starts out with a clear rebuke, right? And, and then we see him say, look, if you're teaching anything other than this gospel, let that person be cursed, okay? So, so there's this serious tenor about uh, protecting uh, the integrity of the gospel. And we continue to move on, and we enter into chapter 2. Uh, and we, before we go there, uh, he, we see at the, end of chapter, at the end of chapter 1, again, there there's, was debate, but now scholarship is pretty much clear. As you even look at the text, when you go back to Acts chapter 9, write that in your address book, that when he talks about being uh, three years in Arabia, that's not him just meditating with Jesus for three years. But what we begin to see is because of, we talked about this whole sense of understanding Judaism and understanding Jewish history, Remember we talked about covenant, sin, exile, restoration. We begin to realize that Paul had all the stuff in the gospel in him, but, but it was skewed because he was just trying to be a good Jew. Jesus comes in and says, thanks but no thanks. You're killing the wrong people. You're killing my people. Stop it. He begins to go, oh, my goodness, I need to be a Christian. He becomes a Christian. And then the scriptures say that the gospel he was sending people off to be killed for, he's now preaching, and we praise God because of him. Right, that's what scriptures say. Uh, but what I love, what I want to show there is, so you have those three years. Those three years, the point of that three-year uh, time that you see in the scriptures is not that, again, contrary to popular opinion, is not that he was he went off. Because I've seen people say this, you know, I'm gonna be like Paul. I'm gonna go off, but, you know, and I'm just gonna be with Jesus. So, okay, actually, Paul went off and preached the gospel. For those three years, he went, it says immediately in Acts chapter 9, when he came to Christ, he preached the gospel. In Damascus, he was preaching the gospel. In fact, they were going to beat him down, and then they lowered him from a window in Damascus uh, to make sure that he could stay alive. And then that, there's proof of that in Corinthians, because he, he gives a testimony of that in Corinthians. So we know that he was preaching the gospel, and then we enter into um, Galatians chapter 2, and don't miss this, family. Um, it says in Galatians chapter 2, for four, it says, 14 years later, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus also, I mean, along also. Um, now, notice I'm here. So, so Paul had three years of preaching the gospel. Then it talks about he has these 14 years of serving in the ministry. Okay, so he's been serving the Lord for about 17 years in his capacity. Okay. Now, I bring it up for a moment, uh, for a reason, because before we talk about humility, I want us to get something. If we, I feel like we have a lot of strengths in this church. I mean, what an unbelievable body. Um, I mean, you guys are just unbelievable. But I, we all fall prey to, to this reality, this issue of that if, if we're not having a humble disposition, um, what, can, what can happen a lot of times, um, even as we, as we look at uh, Galatians chapter 1, if we don't have a humble disposition, uh, we can sort of become more focused on the church uh, than Jesus. And I say that because that's what we're going to see with some of these Judaizers. Uh, for some reason, uh, the, 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 the religious sect became more important uh, uh, than the reality of the gospel. Now, um, 
when you think of the gospel, what happens with us a lot of times is that we can even enter into uh, what they call syncretism. Uh, and that's where, you know, you have the gospel and then you sort of, you sort of add things to it. Uh, and, that's, and we see that a lot in our community. We see, I've talked to many individuals who say they're professing Christians, but then they'll be like, but my, my, my cousin's Muslim and that's okay. Right? You know, because we all, you know, we just all got it. Well, that's, that's syncretism. When, when you start being okay uh, with lies and, and, and untruth, what you're doing is you're, you're adding to the gospel and now you're denying the gospel altogether. Okay? That's syncretism. It's when you're adding things uh, to a religious uh, rule of thinking, specifically Christianity, Jesus being our king. I, wanna, I, I really hard wanna, I want to share the gospel again, but I know we've done that a, a few times. I would ask you to um, go online um, if, you, if you're muddy on the gospel. Um, I'll talk about the gospel in different aspects, but I won't go through the whole ju- the history of the gospel. Uh, but then you have, so you have syncretism, but then you also have sectarianism. And I think that's what we can, we got to be careful. Because sectarianism is that you, you sort of get your doctrine and you get your, your philosophy and you become so, like, serious about it uh, that no one can come in, right? And you have cats, like, I have friends like that who, uh, in different, different frameworks of, of thinking, they, they go off and they, they have their cows and they, they're on the farm now and they love Jesus, but they won't, um, one second, they... Sectarianism. Sectarian. Sect, sect, like a sect, S-E-C-T-tarianism. So it's when you become a sect. It's when you say, all right, this is our stuff, and now, I, you know, we're not going to wiggle out of this, but you're not going to come into this. Okay? And so we have to be carry, careful of that as a body, because, you know, we know what we want to do. We know how we do. All right? And we want to make sure we're, we're being, having integrity, um, but at the same time, we don't want to uh, breed arrogance. Okay? Uh, so... So we enter into this, and I bring it up now because uh, that's, that's how the message can kind of get confused. You know, we've shared the gospel, but the message gets confused when you're either adding to the gospel or you forget that the gospel, in essence, is to be missional, right? So you, you become a Christian, and that's, you know, we say this every week, you become a Christian not because of personal piety. When you say, Jesus is my king, you, you receive all this stuff, right? We receive salvation. We receive Jesus himself, most importantly, our treasure. Uh, we, get, we get freed up. But freed up to do what? To proclaim him as king. So if you miss that part of the gospel, you have missed a huge part. You have, and, that, and that's one of the reasons, I mean, it's just crazy in our body, in our churches, that like, evangelism is kind of optional. That's weird. That's part and parcel of being a Christian, so, so you can't, so you can't be a, you can't be a sectarian because then you're 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 subtracting from the gospel, and we don't ever want. I started there because we don't ever want to become more important in this body than Jesus. Okay, this is not about Macav. This is about Jesus being honored, and that's why we're serious about whatever we do because of Jesus, not because of something we like or we like this or like that, but because of Jesus. Okay. All right, so, so now I say all that because you look at Paul. Here's a guy who's been in the game 17 years, uh, the scriptures say, and all of a sudden um, some drama enters into the church, and he begins to, he begins to have to deal with this, this sense of humility. Um, now notice, in verses uh, 1 through 3, he says uh, he, took, he, you know, he went to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas, took Titus along also. Um, Titus. He takes Titus along also. He's going to Jerusalem to talk with these guys. Now, I think this is unbelievable. This is Paul, y'all. He's written about uh, like 13 books in the scriptures. 
He's, he's been saved. He's been serving the Lord for 17 years. And what does he go to Jerusalem to do? Notice this. He goes to Jerusalem to put himself on display. He goes to Jerusalem to actually tell these guys, look, he's like, I, I, I think I know what I'm talking about, but is this true? Look at verse 2 and 3. Look what he says. I went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that I was running or had run my race in vain. You notice that? Paul was serious about the gospel family. He was like, I am immovable about the gospel. How, so I won't, so, but I'm not immovable about myself. I'll put myself on display. So what he does, he takes himself and he says to these leaders, he takes himself to the Jerusalem leaders and he says, here's what I've been preaching. Is this right? Did you ever notice that? That's what he's saying here. This is Paul, y'all. Is this the most exponential, I mean, have you ever seen humility like this? If it was me and I was Paul and somebody said, are you preaching the gospel right? I'd be like, hold on, bro. 17 years in the game, homie. Can you imagine? 13 books, baby. I mean, Peter, Pete, Peter was calling Paul's stuff scripture because before Paul knew it was scripture. Read Peter. Read, read, read uh, the, uh, the epistle of Peter. He, he puts Paul's teachings on the same part of Old Testament doctrine which is scripture. So you got all this going for you, and then he has the humility to go before these leaders and say, you know what, I just want to make sure I'm not running my race in vain. Maybe I've been preaching lots of 17 years. So is this the gospel? You see that? That is humility personified. Do we live like that? See, now, now, what, what, now let me ask you this. So what, what happens a lot of times, there's Paul what we either do, we are either super arrogant, right? And this is, I'm, I'm, I lean toward the super arrogant side, okay, where I don't want to put my teaching or myself before people, right? So if someone questioned me and I got a problem, right? Or we're kind of like wimpy, we're wimps. And you put yourself and your teaching all over people. You just, you just change no matter what. And you, you're willing to, uh, to, to change what you believe in order to have worldly peace and worldly friendships. But both totally dishonor God. God hasn't called us to operate in arrogance when we know something's true or if we think we got right teaching. And he hasn't called us to be wimps to not have a prophetic voice. But there's something that Paul is showing us where he's having this great balance of being one of the, the greatest theologians of all, in all of history and yet says, I know people have been getting saved. I'm pretty sure what I'm saying is true, but I respect your leadership, so I submit to you. I'm going to trust the Lord. Is this right? Am I preaching in vain? Why is he doing this? Because he is going off on these Judaizers. He's saying, how dare you add to the gospel? But he says, I want to make sure that I'm not tripping. So what do you think? You see that? Is that our hearts? Is that, is that how we operate? Which one are you, family? Are you the wimp or the arrogant? And you know what? And I get a lot of talk. You know, and we're in this day and age now. It's very interesting. Young people, family, right? Where, where I mean, we have no respect for authority. It's amazing to me how many people I get who, talk, who call themselves godly. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I get it, family. You've been in messed up churches, right? They foul. 
right? And you mad. And then, but then what we do is we go on the other side. We start talking about, well, only Jesus is going to teach me. Only God going to show me something. As if God down with that. He's looking at you like, I ain't said that. No, because look, I mean, read Acts 2, read Acts 9, read Acts 15, look at Acts 26, look at these verses right here. You see men of noble stature submitting to leadership, saying God has placed these men in my life as leaders, and I'm going to submit. It is unbiblical when people say <laughs> that, you, that you, when people think, oh, no, like in Acts 2, we're just going to just chop it up and we all have the same. No, God gives, he's made some of us leaders. Sorry, guys, I'm your pastor. <laughs> I didn't do it. You guys are gracious to, 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 to humble yourself and, and let me share and let me lead. But this is what the Lord has called me to. And, and, and like to be apologetic about that and for you to come and, and be a hater is just ungodly. And what's sad, these are godly people being haters. But Paul doesn't do that. The local church have a, has a lot of messed up, weird, crazy stuff going on. But God still has made leaders for us in order to be shepherded. And I'm just saying, guys, all I'm saying here is look what Paul does here. The greatest theologian of all time, he submits, some, he submits his doctrine uh, to these guys. But look what he does here, guys. I love how he does it. He stacks a deck now. Don't look, look at the text. He says, he brings up Titus. Don't you love that? Right? Scripture says, uh, he says, but I did this privately, right? Uh, so I, for fear that I wouldn't run a race in vain, yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. So he brings Titus. Now, y'all remember Titus, right? Titus has a book of the Bible, too. So we all big time now, right? We got, so you got Titus. He brings Titus. Titus is a pastor. He has been sharing his faith. He is a leader in the, people, in the people of God. And what Paul does is Paul brings Titus, and I love this, because he's trying to make sure that if I'm going to have this, if I'm going to have the audacity to keep fighting for this reality of the power of grace, I'm going to make sure we're doing this right. So here, let me, let me ask you guys a question. He brings, brings it to these leaders. I've given you my credentials. Here's Titus here. Look how street this is. Peter and all these guys, he says, and you guys know Titus. Yeah, we know Titus. We've heard of Titus. He's been serving the Lord. He's like, guys, he hasn't been circumcised. He's like, so is Titus not a Christian? You see how he stacks the deck? He, he brings a guy who's been fighting for Jesus. And says, so he says, like, like he hasn't been circumcised, but are we going to say, like, that he's not a Christian because he hasn't been circumcised? He's like, is that, is that what we're saying, guys? Really? You see what he does there? That's why Titus is there, by the way, y'all. He needed a brother who wasn't circumcised. You know what I'm saying? Poor Titus. Can you imagine? You got circumcised? Come with me, bro. <laughs> I'm going to stop there. My wife get nervous. So y'all, y'all know the story. So um, he, brings, he brings Titus, and he just says, guys, he says, you know, I mean, really, like, the gospel is not Jesus plus circumcision, is it? Is it really, guys? Guys, we're going to talk about legalism in a minute. I just want us to understand, we have a certain swagger at Mac Ave. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, like, if we, if we were like that? Can you imagine if somebody came in here and was like, hold, well, hold up, dog. Like, you can, where, your, where your dice at, man? Where your J's at? Where, where your hoodie at, man? Like, 
what kind of Christian are you? We walk through the cats like that because they ain't, they ain't street. They don't live on Mac Ave. Could you imagine if we added to the gospel based on culture? That's what Paul's saying. He's like, really? Titus, who's been fighting? Hmm. Let's continue on. Look what he says here. He says, I'm going to uh, middle of verse 2, and I'm going down. But I did this privately uh, to those who seem to be leaders, for that I was running or had run my race in vain. He puts his doctrine out there uh, for the crew family. And um, then he says, uh, yet not even Titus was with me, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter, verse 4, look at this. This drama, by the way, he's like, by the way, this drama came up. Uh, because some false brothers have infiltrated our ranks. I'm going to some pause right there. Can you go to verse 4 real quick? What's wrong? Oh, there we go. Uh, th- this matter arose because some false brothers have infiltrated our ranks. Now, let's talk about some stuff real quick, because this is where it gets to the nitty-gritty family. Okay, let's put it all together. Go ahead, pop it up, please. Let's, let's, let's talk about biblical grace. So Paul, so we, we, we've talked about this a lot in our body. You guys know how serious we are about Romans 5.1, how serious we are about what biblical grace is. Okay? People see grace unbiblically. We talk about unmerited favor. We can say that. We understand the doctrine uh, from, a, from an intellectual standpoint. But hear this. This is when you know you don't, get, you don't get grace. When you see grace like nuggets, you don't get grace. See, grace, we always talk about grace and what we get when we do something wrong. Right? So you do something wrong, oh, Lord, give me grace. Oh, I wronged you, would you give me grace? Oh, I'm late, give me grace. Right, that's how we talk about grace. That's kind of true, but that's not the biblical stance of grace. Romans 5.1 says that you're placed in a place of grace. Right? That means that it's not that you get nuggets of grace, but when you become a Christian, you're put in an environment of grace, a grace bubble. Right? So that means, but, but here's, here's where it gets crazy. If you go with the doctrine that you only get grace's nuggets, then the whole successful Christianity thing pops in, and you're, success, you're a successful Christian when you need God's grace less. Do you see that? When you, when you stop sinning as much, now I don't need grace. So I'm cool, Jesus. I just need you when I'm messed up. But don't you get something? You're already messed up. I'm messed up. And so what God does, he doesn't want us to keep saying we're messed up. He wants you to now say you're, all, you're a saint. But the reason why we can continue to always say we're saints is because we're in a saint grace bubble. Do you see that, family? If you're really in a grace bubble and God has done it all and he continues to do it all and he does it when you're doing well and he does it when you're doing bad, where is the room for pride and legalism? Where's the room? You've done nothing. Where's the freedom? Everywhere. Do you hear me, family? So that's biblical grace, okay? Now, biblical legalism. Let's talk through this, okay? It's not just asking someone to do something outside Scripture. It's also asking someone not to do something outside Scripture. You hear me there? When we think legalism, we think Pharisees, and we think putting laws on people. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. But guess what? You can also be a legalist when you put restrictions on people based on your restrictions. When you tell me I can't do something that's not in the Bible just because you don't do it, you have just become a legalist. 
Do you hear what I just said? Legalism is when you begin to say, okay, here's what you need to do in order to have a certain status with God. It's shackles. Binding. It's not the gospel. And it distorts and prostitutes grace. You hear me, family? God is saying, what, what God has called you to be about in the freedom of Christ, he's saying, if it's not in the scriptures, you cannot tell me to do it, or you cannot tell me not to do it. But you know what you can do? You can give me grace. And you can give me freedom to live a life in Christ as a human. Big Lee? Oh, man. Oh, smoking. <laughs> right? I hate smoke. I'm asthmatic. Right? Barely breathe in just regular air. Right? <laughs> you start smoking, lights out. All right? As much as I would love to be Jesus and outlaw you from smoking, the Bible makes it a matter of conscience. So we don't like that. I'm looking at y'all like, no, I don't like smoke either, though. It's a matter of conscience, family. You can't, and you can't do things like, well, what about, I think you, I think, it's not real Christianity to say, well, what about what the Lord says, your body's a temple, and it is. Okay, he does say that. Well, lights out, man. Think of the myriad of things that you did this morning that wasn't faithful to God in your body. I mean, all the ho-hos and cupcakes and, you know, driving fast. I mean, come on, man. Lights out, man. Let's be real. Can we be real Christians for a minute? Now, you can't, you, I call those shackle verses. Those are shackle verses because they place people in shackles. You can't, body is a temple. Well, man, I might as well just sit in a cage somewhere and just eat roots until I die. I mean, come on. It's not real. Jesus' point in that is not to put you in shackles, but to free you to be holy. His point is for you not to go, now you got to find a $5,000, $5,000, you know, checklist, and you know, I do that, and I do this, and I do that. And I do that. But freedom is the gospel. So, so smoking. So I would tell someone, I hate smoke, but guess what? You know what? Now, don't get me wrong. Are there could people like, well, what about, there's some sin that could be sin. There are principles. God tells us to hold, hold dear the principles of the scriptures and the free people of the laws. He... Um, so smoking, for example, the principles, if you're addicted, that's sin, right? God only wants us to be addicted to him, okay? It's called idol worship. Addiction is idol worship, by the way, okay? Um, self-control, um, uh, substance abuse. See, there's principles that you can look at and go, if this is my journey and I'm in sin, I need to repent and trust and believe the gospel, but I'm telling you, you know, and, I can, and, and as brothers, we can dialogue about that, you know. But if you say, dude, I just, I just like to have a cigarette. Like, I'm telling you, if you put that brother in shackles, you're a legalist. I had another story. I'll give you one more, and I'll keep going. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to move on, I promise. Um, here's a cool story. We had body members, and I'm not trying to dog any of y'all. I'm just telling the truth. That's why we got life. We had, we had a brother who, had, who was an alcoholic, got off alcohol, wanted to drink. Okay, he'd been, I feel like he was sober for maybe a couple months or so. Forget the journey. So he wants to drink. So I get some calls. Man, E, dude about to drink. You're going to be, it's not right. You got to help him. You got to tell him, no, he can't drink. I'm like, why can't he drink? Because he's alcohol. He struggles with alcohol. He shouldn't drink. Okay, um, so he's a Christian, right? Okay, yeah, he loves Jesus. Um, 
Are you saying he can't drink or he can't get drunk? He, he shouldn't drink because he's, he's an alcoholic. You know, he'll, if he drinks then, he's going to... See, let me tell you. That decision that he makes may be super unwise. In fact, I believe it's an unwise decision for a man who just got, who, you know, broke the, sh- the shackles of alcoholism to jump right back in the game and just start having casual drinks. I do. I think that might be unwise. Is it sin? No. It is not. If we believe the gospel, and the gospel says that you become a new creation, not half a creation, not just your leg, but you become a new creation when you receive Jesus, and you become a whole different person ontologically, and now you can believe the gospel, and you have the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's not, there's not like a layaway plan, then that means if on Monday you come to Christ and you're an alcoholic on Tuesday, and you say, I don't want to drink no more, but today I want to have a drink, Jesus says on Tuesday, although might be unwise, you are free to have a drink. We don't like that. But you show me where I'm wrong scripturally. So, so those are examples where, and I told the crew, I said, listen, I totally think it's unwise. I brought the dude over. I said, bro, I think it's unwise, man, but I want you to know you're free in Jesus to do it because you're a Christian. He needed to understand freedom, y'all, not shackles. And that's not me talking. That's the Bible. We had the same stories in Africa. We can give you story after story on how we see people can go down dead-end roads, and then we try to be Jesus for them. Jesus is saying, even if they crash, let them crash in freedom. The gospel is a freedom gospel, y'all. It's not shackles. And we want to put shackles on people, and it's not the gospel. No matter what your mindset is on how much you love them, let them learn the true gospel. He got drunk. The guy got drunk. He's not even walking with the Lord today. Were we wrong? See how hard that is? Isn't that real Christianity? Those kind of decisions? That's real Christianity, family. Bump the five rules. It's a lifestyle. Heart. Trust in Jesus. Man, he's walking away. Oh, I wish I would have done this. No, God is like you. We did the right thing because you stayed true to the gospel. I'm not Jesus. Because when he comes back, he'll still know the true gospel. And if he doesn't, I, hey, look, we just tell the truth. So for a second time, let me keep going. I, I, okay, so you guys with me so far? All right. Using your freedom of personal restraints on someone else is biblically legalism. Freedom or personal restraints, family. We got to get this because I'm telling you, we're, we're a body. And we, we're all out here hustling. And, man, I, I feel like this is kind of an issue a little bit for us. We got rules, man. Weirdo rules. And one thing I can tell you about legalism is whenever you, you, know, you see a legalism thing, is when if you follow the trail long enough, the rules start getting real stupid, too. That's, when you, that's one indicator of, like, this is kind of legalistic. Because at some point, so if I kick that to the nth degree, then where are we going to end up, bruh? You see what I'm saying? That's one of the key, just by the way, one of the key litmus tests. When people start, it gets kind of weird. And I can give you some examples of that later. Let's continue on, please. So he says, this matter arose because of some false brothers family, he says, has infiltrated our ranks. See, there are people who come here and they want to spy on our freedom. And you come here with your own agenda. And we've had that at MacAff. And you, you know, and you can, you, can, you can doctrine up all you want in scripture and all this crap. You are, you've been battered by another church or something. And you all, you come in and you don't even have a, a heart like a graceful spear. You just all, 
trying to see what's foul. That's not from Jesus. Don't be a spiritual hater. If you can't celebrate what the Lord is doing, here's the thing. We do things. We got our flow. And you know what? You guys have freedom to disagree with our flow. But if it's not unbiblical, you shouldn't be dogging us as a Christian. I'm just, I know we all want the same thing. I know you love God. But some of you guys who are leaders, some of you guys, you got hater issues. And you need, but here's the thing. You've got to understand, I mean, here's the thing. It's grieving my heart because we think it's a game. You're dishonoring God. You're dishonoring the Lord when you're gossiping and you're dogging your brother and sister who are just trying to see people come to Christ. You're not honoring the Lord. Please repent. You're not called to dog people who are free if it's not sin and they don't agree with you. Check it out. Here are some people, and I wrote these down just to make sure I get clarity. So I call these people lacking grace or loving legalism traits. So I just want us to look at these traits, and if the shoe fit where, and if it doesn't, let it pass by you. But I want us to do some, some hard work here, okay? Because I don't want to, man, it's, it's just not honoring the Lord, family. Let's learn how to be free together. Um, let's start with the sabotager. Let me see here. So the sabotager... This is no dictionary definition. This is what I've seen in my journey. Um, the sabotager, they're usually, they're usually people that are visionaries. They're visionary people. Um, but they're visionaries that people don't trust with their vision. So, so, so they're visionaries, but, but because they always got drama, people don't really entrust them with their vision. Right? And these are the kind of people, they destroy other people's visions, and they go, whoops, did I do that? You know, they walk down the street, houses burning down. You know, they're like, oh, did I do that? And these be sold out. These be, see, y'all got to understand something. We ain't talking about, we're talking about sold out believers, man, who love the Lord, who have good character. I just want us to get that. This is not the, the pitchfork and horn person, you know. I'm talking about people with integrity who will have you over for dinner, pray for you, and then destroy a church. If this is you, pray about this. Please say, why am I a sabotager? Why am I always hating and trying to figure out a way to cause dissension and drama? Am I saying you don't bring up stuff? Of course you bring up stuff. There's, there's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. There's litmus tests in this stuff. Like you got a problem. A key litmus test is, is did it go through three or four people before it got to the source? If it did, you're dishonoring the Lord. The Lord told you, clear in scripture, all over the place. Matthew 18, 18, and he said, look, you got beef? He right there. Excuse me, I got beef. That's what you're supposed to do. You don't need to tell her and him and him, and you pray for me because I hate him. And You're dishonoring the Lord. You're killing our body. I want to ask you to consider, if you can't, if you can't pray about this or repent, Dip. Because you're killing us. And I say, I say, I, I, this is, I'm just being honest. Call, call yourself. Examine. Can I, be a, can I be a part of this or not? You know, um, is it unbiblical? If so, process it with the people because we want to walk with the Lord. 
And this is wherever you go in life. This is not a Mike Ave thing. I'm talking about life, guys. Okay? If not, have a come to Jesus party. And if you can't really get behind whatever you are in your journey, then graciously leave. You don't have to dog people. Lazy holy bees. These are people, in my opinion, um, they're good, these are good people. However, they are too lazy to actually see exactly what Scripture says about a particular issue. So they just make up rules for others and try to, bu- and try to buckshot approach. So they're too lazy to really, like, what does the Bible actually say about this? So they just, they have Scriptures in their mind and they kind of just, like, like Sam. And then when I call it, they, 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 they do shackle verses. They do verses to put you in shackles, right? Um... And they did, that's how they justify it, by, by using scripture. And so some famous scriptures, famous shackle verses that I've seen taken out of context is this. Um, no one's called to judge, right? Totally unbiblical. Matthew 7, actually you are called to judge. You're actually a witness and a prophet. And Matthew 7 says, the whole point of Matthew 7, he says, don't judge unless you have good sight. His whole point was like, don't not, it wasn't to not judge. It was to not judge in an unhealthy manner. You don't judge when you're an arrogant jerk. That was his point. You judge when you have a disposition of humility. But you are still called to judge. You're called to judge the body of Christ. God wants holiness in the camp. That You can't even look at the scriptures without seeing that. So you see how crazy that is? So I'm not called to judge. Well, wrong. Um, you have uh, the verses. We, we, thought we do um, avoid every appearance of evil, Right? The shackle verse, avoid appearance of evil. Well, we, we totally use that wrong. Do you know actually when he says that, avoid every appearance of evil? His point, we t- the way we preach that and talk to it with each other is if he's saying, even if something's not evil but can be seen as evil, don't do it. Totally unbiblical. That's not what that verse is saying. The verse is saying when you see something that is evil, avoid the appearance of evil. Go, go to the text. He's not saying some wishy... Can you imagine, remember legalism? Look at that. See, take that to the nth degree. Avoid all appearance of evil. What you think might be an appearance of evil might be different. What you think might be an appearance of evil might be different. What you think. Can you imagine if I'm running around here and everybody going, don't do that. That looks like it could be evil. <laughs> Can you imagine the nutball I be? Shackle verses. They put you in shackles. I mean, you have cats. Like, say if I... Say if Eric, you know, Eric wanted to say, Eric and Sarah's at lunch. Oh, that, that could look evil. Really? And I, see, I'm, I'm trying to hit these areas that we kind of get weirded on. That, that's your wife, Eric. You know, okay. What are they, what are they eating about? What are they talking about? Why, does that, why can't we believe the best? Why all of a sudden they got to be in adultery? <laughs> Why can't he be meeting about glorifying Jesus? Why can't he be expanding God's kingdom while they're at Tim Hortons? <laughs> you know, why they got to be on Oprah? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just crazy. So, 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 so God is saying, I'm just, I mean, hey, guys, if you're a shackle verse user, stop it. You know what I'm saying? Or at least understand the context. Um, don't cause me to stumble. Don't cause people to stumble. Shackle verse. Again, look at it to the nth degree. The point of the passage was not, okay, we teach that as if he's saying, you do everything to the least common denominator of the weakest Christian. That's what we're saying. 
Because if we're saying we don't want to cause anybody to stumble, that means I'm walking around, and if a Christian right here goes, I don't really like when people smoke, you know, then you just put it away. Or, oh, you're drinking? Well, my mommy never drank. Don't drink. You know, I'm being facetious. My point, my point in this is that the question becomes, so if, every, if, we, if we live life like that, that's not Paul's point. Paul's point was these people were doing these things not out of love. They were actually pushing the stuff in people's face going, look at me, look at how cool I am. He's like, that's arrogant. He's like, don't cause people to stumble. Stumble is not don't cause people to get mad. Don't cause people to get uncomfortable. Don't cause people to stumble. Stumbling, sin. Don't cause people to sin. You follow me? Very different. There's a lot of people that we do things that are free, and people get mad because you're free to do them. God is saying sometimes people need to grow up. Sometimes the guy who says, well, you shouldn't drink, and I have a beer in front of him. I don't drink beer. But if I did, God is saying that this guy, now, guess what it does? It forces him to have to actually learn what the scriptures actually say about that. Or we can actually have a discussion. But are, are we called just to keep him in the embryonic state of Christianity? And say, oh, that's just how he thinks, so we've got to make sure. How does he ever grow? Are you following me with the least common denominator deal? We're called to grow, guys. It doesn't even make any sense. Shackle verses. I can't believe I'm taking all this time. I'm sorry, guys. Um, plain haters. So, yeah. So you guys got me on the shackle, on the, uh, shackle verses. Don't be a holy bee. Actually, know the scriptures. Okay? And don't, and don't, but here's the, here's the scary part about that. You are operating in legalism when you do that. Because what you're doing is you're putting shackles on people. If it's not sin, guys, you can have discussions. We can dialogue. But you've got to do it in the context of freedom. Of freedom. Um, plain haters. This person just loves those they like. And they assassinate those not in their sphere. So people who aren't like you or who are in your little, your little crew, you know, you just dog them. Um, People like this come, they declare war, areas like this, you know, and they talk about, you know, smoking, dating. Um, I, I, think, I think the key to these plain haters is that I'm just going, man, why can't we just enjoy, and this is something I struggle with, you know, and I, I confess, I have to renew my mind and be filled with the Holy Spirit to enjoy other people's success. Left into my flesh, I am a hater. And it takes the Lord for me to go, no, I want that brother to do good. I'm, I'm excited that that sister's doing okay. I want that church to be honoring Jesus. And I have to actually like, say, Lord, take this hater mentality out of me for me to always trip when someone's doing okay. Are you a hater? Are you mad because actually Macav's growing? You didn't really like the vision, but now you're growing and you just, you're more peed off now? You're a hater. That's what you are. And you should be repenting because you're a Christian. I know you love the Lord. You should be, your heart should be broke right now. That, wow, I'm, I'm contributing uh, to the arsenal of Satan. Because at the end of the day, we love the Lord. And we're trying to see, we're trying to see God honored. At the end of the day, you got to deal with that. Passionate preferers. Now, this one's funny. The passionate preferers are people like you got you got you know smoking non-smokers. You got the natural people versus the you know 
the, the, the sinful regular people? I'm kidding. That was a joke. <laughs> See my point? You know what I'm saying? You got, you got natural versus, you know, you know, versus like regular eating. You got homeschool versus public school. You know what I'm saying? We got vaccination and non-vaccination. And, dude, we make these issues like gospel. Cats hating on each other like, you vaccinate? <laughs> really, dude? Jesus, that's what Jesus was about? Vaccination? Can you imagine? You know, hey. Can you imagine Paul and them? What school you go to? You know, he's up there with Titus and them, and the leader's like, yo, what school you go to, man? Looking at Titus, you know, Zebedee Central, you know. <laughs> Public school dog. <sighs> I mean, can you imagine? They were tripping on that stuff, man. Those are freedom issues. Now, can we disagree? Can we know that we are? But we got to be able to do that in the context of freedom and celebrating each other. Come on, fam. Just do or die. Let, let this be the day when we say we are going to learn to be free and to free others. Um, can you continue going, please? Check it out. So what he says here, look what he says. He says, he says these haters, we didn't give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. You see that? As for those who seem to be important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearances. Those men added nothing to my message. He says, on the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the Jews, for God was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also, um, was also at work in my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles. Um, so check that out. Look what he's, see, see what he's saying here? He's saying that they, they said, yeah, we... We think you're preaching the gospel. So he, he puts himself before him. He's saying, uh, we, didn't give, we, didn't give into, uh, we didn't give into these men. This isn't a mock here. His point, like, now look at what he does here. His point when he says, as for those who seem to be important, um, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearances. These men added nothing to my message. He says, they actually said, they saw that I had been entrusted with the preaching of the gospel. So he actually switched from the haters, and he actually starts talking about the leaders, but he talks about the leaders in a very, in a very like, let me humble them way. They're important, man. Well, kind of. Like, whatever that means. You see how he's talking about them? And so he's saying, but he's saying, like, I'm preaching the gospel. Peter's preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. I mean, Jews. I'm preaching the gospel to the, to the Gentiles. And I love this, because what he's saying here in a nutshell, I think that we can glean from this, is God has called us to be about the gospel in times and places in our own flavor. MacGav is just going to look different than a church, you know, off in Rochester Hills. You know what I'm saying? But guess what? That don't make the churches in Rochester Hills foul. We have to, you know, there's some awesome, we, got, we are family, y'all. We got to learn how to do this family thing. Um, our vibe is different. See, uh, one thing that, that I wanted to see in here is that when he does this whole Gentile uh, Jew thing, is he's making it clear that, that God, the gospel Hear this. The gospel is not a culture. It's a person. And the reason why that's important is because we want to make it cultural because if you make it cultural, then you don't really have to love Jesus. When you can just have the culture of it all, then the person, well, I take them or not. But gospel is about Christ. He continues on. Uh, 
James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews. So they say, hey, we, we receive you guys. We get it. We want you guys to be about the gospel. And look what they say toward the end in verse 10. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. We are not the same, all of us. The Bible teaches unity and diversity. Okay? He wants us to be diverse because he's made us diverse and for us to bring glory to him in the midst of that diversity. That's the unity piece. And the Lord is saying that although we're, we're all different, we're called to preach the same gospel. So we're called to preach the same gospel, although we're different. And, and I just want us to, I want us to just let this go in our Differences is not demonic. Just because I'm not like you and you're not like me and these other people, it's not a bad thing. God wants us to be men and women of grace, not like these Judaizers who are spying in on freedom, but we want to be a place where we give freedom under the umbrella of holiness family. So I can go on about churches and stuff. I just want to get to this whole piece in verse 10. Look what he says. He says, like, he knows, like, the, the Jews, a family had hit the, had hit the place uh, where the Jews had the diaspora. They were, they were, they, so they were, like, starving and stuff. And the Gentiles were actually balling at this point, had, had resources. And so, and so he tells them, he says, look, um, you know, do your thing. All I ask is that you'll be, you'll get to the poor. And he says, the very thing we're eager to do. Uh, just to give you the context of that verse, because I read it for years, like, what are they talking about? So he's saying, look, I want you to make sure that you guys got some stuff, but you're part of the family. Make sure you're giving to the Jews um, during this time, which I just love the missional component here. Uh, that, that, man, I, and I, I think it's very, very timely that North Star is here because they are the church that actually sent us up to Detroit and supported uh, me, uh, for, well, even still to this day, but even in the beginning, supported our, our salary, you know, the whole nine. And so uh, what I love is this picture of God saying, hey, do God's work and be senders. Let me close on this. There's a ton of churches that we, that we love. I mean, you got Genesis, Bo, if you guys know Bo McCarthy. I mean, an awesome brother in the Lord. Uh, I love my man Kevin Butcher, um, brother Messiah. I mean, there's a lot of churches that, uh, that are honoring Jesus. Um, we are serious about partnering and celebrating true churches. Um, now, we're not serious about celebrating foul churches, but we are serious about people who are, who are proclaiming the gospel we have to learn and understand something about the gospel. What Jesus has done is he's freed us. He's freed us, as it says there, right, from Satan, from flesh, from sin. But, but the thing we've got to understand what we're free from is we're free from each other. You are free now. And that's what Paul was trying to get through here. With humility, he was trying to make a case that I'll submit myself to you, even though I'm the man. And I'll bring this guy here to say, you can't tell me that this guy isn't a Christian. And you know what? We will not stand for guys to be holding these false practices and putting people in shackles who've given their life to Christ. Will you give me the amen to go after these guys? And they say, yep. The gospel is freedom. Um, let's uh, think about that. We're going to do tithe and offering, and then we're going to pray and get out of here. Thank you guys for giving me extra time. Um, if you're new here, you know, we just ask you to keep your...